Here is the latest Higher Summits forecast brought to you by our friends at the Mount Washington Observatory. Weather above treeline in the White Mountains is often wildly different than at our trailheads. Before you hike, check the Higher Summits forecast at mountwashington.org. Weather observers working at the nonprofit Mount Washington Observatory write this elevation-based forecast every morning and afternoon. Search and rescue teams, avalanche experts, and backcountry guides all rely on the Higher Summits forecast to anticipate weather conditions above treeline. You should too. Go to mountwashington.org or text FORECAST to 603-356-2137. And here is your forecast for Friday, November 3rd and Saturday, November 4th. Friday, mostly in the clear under partly sunny skies. The high in the mid-20s. Winds west at 35 to 50 miles per hour, increasing to 50 to 70 miles per hour, with gusts up to 80 miles per hour. With a wind chill 5 below to 15 below, rising to 0 to 10 above. Friday night, starting in the clear under mostly cloudy skies, then trending into the clouds. Slight chance of sh- snow showers Excuse me. after midnight. Possible snow accumulations of a trace to one inch, with a low in the lower 20s. Winds west at 50 to 70 miles per hour, increasing to 70 to 90 miles per hour, with gusts up to 105 miles per hour. Winter will be 5 below to 5 above. Brr. Saturday, in the clouds, trending towards clearing late under partly cloudy skies, Chance of snow showers before noon, becoming a slight chance by the afternoon. Possible snow accumulations of a trace to two inches. Highs will be mid-20s with winds west at 55 to 75 miles per hour with gusts up to to 90 miles per hour, excuse me, early. 40 to 55 miles per hour midday and 25 to 40 miles per hour later. And the wind chill Saturday will be 5 below to 5 above, rising to 0 to 10 above. from the Woodpecker Studio in the great state of New Hampshire. Welcome to the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast, where we discuss all things related to hiking and search and rescue in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. Here are your hosts, Mike and Stump.
Welcome to episode 128, My Favorite oh. Highway. <laughs> yeah, Route 128, what a nightmare that place is, huh? Yeah. That's yeah, part of the reason is. why I moved to New Hampshire. <laughs> Get away from Route 128. So you, so you grew up in Lynn. Correct, yep. And then lived in North Andover, but like you lived other, you lived in Salem, right, too, or something? Actually, um, performed quite a bit in the band in Salem. That was sort of our stomping grounds, but I lived in Beverly for a while and then moved to Gloucester with the family. Got it. Then over to Haverhill, Mass, and then North Andover. Okay. So you've been around 495, 128 for a long time. Hell yeah. Yeah. But boy, is it crowded. It was always a nightmare going through that, that area. Yeah, people get confused too because they don't realize that 128, you can call it like this, 95 and 128 are together from the point where it connects in Peabody right, down right. to like whatever that is, like Dedham or something like that. Uh, but like that, there's 128 continues on up into Beverly and Gloucester and that area there because I used to live in Peabody. Me and Mrs. Right. Mike, when we first got married, lived in Peabody. So, yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, show yeah. 128. But how was your Halloween? Did you have an exciting time? Oh, no, I, I'm not a Halloween person. I just stayed home. <laughs> Actually, you know what I did? Well, it's part of the hike, uh, the hiking section. I, I went out on my bike, and I can tell you about that when we get there. So I had a haunted bike ride that night while Mrs. Stomp was out, was out um, enjoying herself and hanging out with uh, her friends and whatnot. So I'm not much of a Halloween person. How about you? Uh, I'm not much of a Halloween person. I mean, I, t- I used to take the kids out and then I yeah. did look forward to like everyone coming and trick or treating and the sure, kids sure. are cute. And, you know, we got like a wave of, we probably got like 50 kids or so, um, within the first 20 minutes. And then, you know, it was like just a couple of kids rolling in, but I think, yeah, I feel like Halloween's changed a little bit. Like it used to be very neighborhood centric, but I right. think that now there's these, like each town has their like destination neighborhood where certain it's neighborhoods true. get together and they like, they like create haunted houses and music and they'll give out drinks to the parents. And like, everybody seems yeah. to cluster in those like neighborhoods that spend the time to decorate and everything. So maybe right. it, it just takes away from the other neighborhoods a little bit, I guess. Yeah, I think it's like that up here too, out of necessity though. Everybody congregates in downtown Campton. Uh, so the surrounding towns will come there more or less. Uh, and uh, there's like, you know, you know, five or six roads that everybody hits, but you're right. That, that does yeah, seem to be yeah. the trend. Yeah, like where you are, like the kids would, you know, it, it would be like a, a yeah, going hiking or here. something. Yeah. Oh yeah, nobody's up here. Yeah, it'd be impossible. It's too rural. <laughs> it's just too so. rural. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a it, that's yeah. a it's a good thing, but a bad thing, I guess, when it comes to Halloween. Right. But Mrs. Stomp is in her post Halloween depression now because she has to take down all of her favorite stuff. I mean, that's her favorite holiday. Well, how long does it, it at holiday. what point does she decorate for Christmas? Uh, once we take this down, we'll we'll start getting ready for Christmas, and we'll get the tree probably within maybe two weeks or so, about two weeks from now. Will you cut yeah. a tree down? Yes. Yeah, we generally go to different farms in the area, and we discovered one that's on uh, Route 3 North in Thornton. Um, beautiful trees and decent price, too. So, uh, yeah, we prefer that. Yeah. Yeah. I do a fake tree, but Mrs. Mike likes to decorate early. So we go away, you know, we're not home. We we don't stay here for Christmas, so we're away. So she'll yeah. like to get the tree up and then you well, know, you we'll know what the up o- early. 
The other option that listeners may know about is the uh, Forest Pass. So you can pay cheap, cheap money to go get a permit to cut down a tree in the White Mountain National Forest. So I would suggest going to um, the U.S. Forest website to find out what it is, but it's dirt cheap as opposed to paying 100 bucks or something. Yeah, I'll pull that link. Uh, we've we've talked about that before, so I can oh, yeah. post that link in the show notes. And uh, matter of fact, uh, when I was hiking with Nobby, we were coming down Adams. We took like a we came in from King. We came out from King Ravine, so we took like I think we took a short line out. And um, there's a like a syrup operation at, in that area there. I don't know if you've been down, but it's it's yeah. it's pretty big. And they actually have some trees that I was looking at, and I was like, yeah, these could definitely be good trees for Christmas trees. So there's like a section right along um, the power lines as you there's like a trail that goes right, parallels the, the uh, power lines that eventually connects with. Um, like airline and, and Valley Way when you're coming right. back over from the the syrup operation there and um, yeah there's trees there so that's one area that you check out mm, yeah for sure um, I used to go up to Lost River <clears throat> the surroundings up there were pretty decent it takes a little homework uh, to find mm-hmm. a really good patch of trees not easy if you do the permit route. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm be- I bet you there's some online resources. I'll look around to see if there's anything. If anybody knows if there's any like secret websites that's, that tells you where to go cut trees. Mm. I feel like I've heard people talk about like um, Greeley Pond as well on the other side, on the Kank side. Okay. All right. Yeah. And that's sort of a reasonable hike in from the Kank. Yeah. Yeah. It's not bad. Absolute nightmare from the other side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. So oh, welcome to episode 128 of the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast. This week we are guest list. We had, we had like a couple <laughs> of guests landed, but they, you know, for logistical Things reasons happen. and technical reasons, we had some problems. So it's just me and Stomp today. So we're going to do a deep dive on uh-huh. a recent hike that me and Stomp did on Welsh Dickey. And uh, we're going to catch up on, on some notable hikes. And I think this is going to be a short show, although we always say that and it never turns out to be that way, but we'll see. <laughs> Stomp's very excited tonight because we can cover one of his favorite areas. Um, so we'll get into Welsh Dickey and all the uh, the surrounding areas. So all this plus um, stick season refresher. Stomp's got some safety reminders with the daylight savings coming in. And then um, we get a little bit about planning for next year's solar eclipse, solar eclipse that's coming out in early April. Yeah, right. So we want to make sure we get that on everyone's radar because you got to head north for that one. So I'm yeah. Mike. And I'm Stomp. Let's get started. Let's get started here. Okay. This is Ben Pease from Hiking Buddies. We are a 501c3 nonprofit committed to reducing avoidable tragedies through education, impactful projects, and fostering a community of support. You can find out more at hikingbuddies.org. We wanted to say thank you to those who have supported our mission, and most importantly, say thanks to those who speak up, who ask questions, and who are willing to provide guidance and assistance on the trails when needed. You embody what it means to be a hiking buddy. And now, for all my newer hikers out there, here's this episode's Hiking Buddies Quick Tip. Did you know that you can text the Mount Washington Observatory for a weather update? Just text 1-603-356-2137 and type the word weather. You'll receive an automatic update from the Higher Summits forecast. 
stomp. So you you didn't do any Halloween parties or anything. We already covered that, right? Correct. I just had my own spooky time out in Livermore. All right. Well, I didn't do any Halloween parties either. I did do a fancy <laughs> schmancy party with all the uh, the fancy people in in my town. So that was fun. The hoity toity. Let's hear about it. I did well. I mean, I didn't really know that many people. It was like my wife's friends, but it was fun. You know, everyone was oh, yeah. dressed up. Oh, that's cool. The like, food uh, was unbelievable. Unbelievable. They had wagyu steak. They had um, like this tuna that was out of out of this world. So yeah, I couldn't complain. Wagyu steak. What the heck is that? It's like a special kind of steak. It's like expensive steak. Yeah, I guess so. Wow. That's cool. What was the dress code? Uh, it was like casual, but like fancy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wore like a button up shirt and just like pants. Like I basically wore what I would wear to work for like a fancy business or for a lot more formal business meeting. But oh, uh, excellent. Did you make any underworld good. connections? I didn't really know that many people, so it was a little, you know, I, you know, I always say to Mrs. Mike, you know, if I take you to a party, like I'm expected to make sure that you're taken care of and that I'm with you the whole time. Like she just leaves me to myself and I'm just like, I got to meet people. I'm talking, I'm like, you know what? I'm very low maintenance and she's very high maintenance when it comes to like being around strangers. So I was yeah. patting myself on the back on the ride home being like, see how easy I am. Yeah. Did you drop the, uh, I have a podcast line. <laughs> Um, did I have Come on, that? come on. I, no, I didn't up. drop it, but they, so my wife's friends knew that I had a podcast <laughs> and one of okay. them mentioned it and some lady was like, you have a podcast? And I immediately like changed oh, the wait. subject. I was like, I got to go get a drink or something. So yeah, <laughs> so not really. It's excellent. So, but I was like, I was, I was wondering like, okay, if they, at, you know, the, you get the old like, okay, what do you do for a living question? <laughs> And I was sort of joking around. I was going to be like, oh, I'm a podcaster. <laughs> but uh, it never came up. So That'd nobody be cared so about much me. fun. Nobody I cared like... about the weird, strange guy that nobody knew. So <laughs> that, That's on a podcast. Oh, yep. that's so great. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, Stomp, we've got daylight savings Let's coming up, up here. So we got to turn the clocks back an hour. So what, is it, what does this mean for us? Well, for hikers, it means it's going to be dark very, very early. And uh, for for those of you like yourself that like to get up early and run in the in the morning, uh, you may have a little more light. But I, I guess the big takeaway is make sure you have your headlamps because it's going to get darker and cooler and colder a lot sooner than you're used to. And um, and secondarily, you, you won't be able to see those damn leaves that just fell off all the trees with the last storm we had. So you have to be a little careful out there. Uh, let's see. Less vitamin D. Less sunlight. You worry about this? I don't really worry about this too much. I supplement. I have my, my gummy supplement vitamins right here on my uh, desk. Yeah, there you go. That's awesome. Um, we have these old school 50-year-old UV lamps in the bathrooms here at this place. So I actually think that's a little beneficial. I could be wrong, but I think that's positive. But um, yeah, so vitamin D, get your supplements. And uh, if you're out there at night, especially if you're a roadrunner, not so much if you're on trail, but we are in hunting season. So keep the high-vis gear on so cars can spot you and hunters. Very important. Yeah, and I think like with the high-vis gear, I'm guilty of this sometimes too because I bought I've... I have a black jacket, but I do think that if you're looking for gear, 
especially if you're hiking, you know, I think about being above tree line and like low visibility. Matter of fact, I was looking at some old videos that I had of like me hiking up on Lafayette solo when I was in, um, you know, like no visibility whatsoever. But um, I think it's a good idea to just go with the brighter jacket if you have a choice, just because if you're with somebody, it's just easier to spot somebody in, in those, you know, low visibility conditions. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. Other than that, I mean, I, I can't think of too many other condition, you know, things, problems that could arise out of this change. Other than the old debate about whether or not if it affects your cardiovascular health, I always think that's interesting. But uh, yeah, make sure you have your headlamps. That's the big takeaway. Yeah, yeah. And this morning was you. You probably have already dealt with this, but in Massachusetts, this morning was the first uh, overnight freeze we had, so it dropped below freezing for the first time. And um, I didn't know that. Yeah, since last winter, so it's yeah, it's getting cold out. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Comfortably cold. I enjoy it. I welcome it. Yeah, I'm still wearing shorts when I go running, so yeah, I, I probably right. won't put pants on until it gets down below 20. Oh, yeah. You're speaking of uh, shorts and weather, next week for the Rescue Me 5K race, they're calling for snow. So okay. an inch or so on Friday. So it might be a little slippery out there. Who knows? It'll who probably knows, melt. Who knows? It's a long time off. Oh, I see uh, Daphne is there. Yeah, Daphne's down here. It's because the little man Zylo's upstairs doing something. She's very, uh, they're territorial. They will not share spaces. You know, they, they cuddle and whatnot, but when one's here, the other will just find some other place to go. I've seen, uh, this is, there's a debate raging on social media. Matter of fact, our friend Tasha, who has been on the show before, she weighed in and there's an ongoing debate around uh, whether or not it's ethical or a good thing or a bad thing to, and I think I've, I have an opinion, but I'm not going to state it because I don't want to upset people. But um, the 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 debate is whether or not uh, cats should be, a, be indoor outdoor cats or they should just be indoor cats. And there's right. like this people that are pushing, and they're like, you you know, it's you should let cats roam and let them mm-hmm. be free. And even though they're like they won't live as long, and there's more risk for them getting like killed by predators and things like that, that it's a right. better life for them. Yeah, I tend to lean that direction, actually, you know, letting them roam and do their thing and just live their nature. But uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, we'd never do it here. Mrs. Stomp is like, nope, just because of the predator risk, uh, which is a valid concern if you have these little pets that rely on you and stuff. But that's a tough one. And the winters, too. I, I don't know how kitties would survive out there in the winters. What if I could wave a magic wand and I could make Daphne speak for like one minute and you asked her the question and she said, yes, I want to be able to roam outside. Would you, would you change your mind? <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Only if I yeah. could record it and let Mrs. Stomp hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'd have to sell that to uh, yeah. the Daily Mail or something. Honestly, um, yeah, honestly, yeah. I heard it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Tasha said the same thing. She was like, you know, the cat should be indoors and kept safe and all that stuff. So, huh. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm always the one pushing, like, oh, come on, let's let them out on the back deck. And there was a phase where Daphne was actually jumping off the back deck, and I had to rig up barriers so she couldn't get over the hurdles. Yeah. Um, so, that phase is gone, but she was definitely curious to get out there and just oh, I bet. explore. I bet. Yeah. Well, we'll see. All right, Stomp. So, uh, Reckless, our Reckless event is coming up on November 11th. 
So yeah. um, this show will be out on November 3rd, so we're about a week away. Um, mm-hmm. And you said, we are you ready to announce the lineup? Yeah, yeah. So the, so the, the schedule for this is uh, basically we have this show coming out Friday, and then next week we have Stosh, I believe, celebrating his 100th episode. And then Saturday, we record live uh, in front of a live audience, and that show will be be released the following Friday. And the lineup at the moment is really exciting. We have uh, a stand-up comic. He's been on the show before. It's Ken Bossy, who's a humorist and author of hiking books that uh, you're all aware of. Um, They said it would be fun or whatever the titles were. I can't recall at the moment. But I've had the pleasure of actually seeing him perform live in front of an audience, and he's He's great. He's hilarious. So we're looking forward to that. And we also have uh, the host and uh, creator of the Warden's Watch podcast, Wayne Saunders, who's former fishing game. He's retired, I believe. And um, he's going to give us the 411 inside baseball, baseball on uh, being a fishing game officer, a conservation officer, and just how uh, the agency works here in the state. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, and of course, Ty will be with us, Ty Gagney, the author of so many great books uh, surrounding this area here. He will be joining us as well to talk about winter prep and winter safety and uh, all that good stuff. So it's really going to be great. I'm excited about it. Yes, I'm excited. I'm yeah. nervous, but it'll be fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And also, just a reminder, if anybody wants to come hang out after the show, the doors will be open at 5 it's at the Pint House at Reckless in Bethlehem, and we'll be there for a few hours after just hanging out and enjoying the Full Conditions Brew, which is um, a benefit uh, charity uh, proceeds going to New Hampshire Outdoor Council, which supports all of the search and rescue groups up here in New Hampshire. Yeah, and the Reckless crew will be on as well with us, right? That's true, yes. Reckless Steve will be on board uh, with Ty discussing the whole process behind what goes into making a craft beer, and in particular, what went into making full conditions, uh, which again was the whole idea was to have a beer uh, that Ty would support and just capture that whole idea of safe hiking and everything else, and in combination, just supporting the outdoor council. So it was super cool. Very good. And then that morning, we've got uh, we've got a five k race in Lincoln, which is the Rescue Me five k, which is yeah. a fundraiser to support Lakes Region Search and Rescue. So, if you want to sign up for that, I don't think it's too late. I don't think so either. Yeah, I, I heard uh, through the grapevine that there's like over four hundred runners now. <laughs> yep, <laughs> it's massive, it's like yeah, double the size. Uh, yeah, speaking of that, I just got the the pop up tent. The slasher sounds like a search and rescue pop up tent. So again, keep a lookout for that. It'll be near a Great Tacoma. We'll all be gathering there before we run the race, and uh, I might need help uh, putting it up because it's like a thousand pounds. I'm shocked. I came home to this fifty sixty pound box. <laughs> I don't remember these things being so heavy. Well, we'll get but, we'll we'll put it together for you. Oh, thanks. Appreciate it. I have my, uh, my, my daughter's boyfriend will be there so he can help. <clears throat> okay. Awesome. And by the way, thank you for all the donations and the sponsorships because, uh, without those, we couldn't do events like this and get the gear and pay for the website hosting and purchase those pop-up tents and you name it. So appreciate it very much. Everybody that's donated over the, uh, <clears throat> fourth year of recording. Can you believe that? Third year. 
Yeah, I know, but we date into four years, right? It's it's not full four years, but we started oh. in yeah, yeah. I've got it. Uh, if you look, yeah, we'll we'll get to that topic. But okay. it's four years of recording, not four full years, but okay. Very interesting. All right, I'm gonna have to check your math, but we'll get into that in a minute here. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, stop. So, um, do we really have to do this segment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is people have been asking me for new tick jokes, and I tell them, "Listen, the tick joke thing is dead. It's bottom of the barrel. There's nothing left." And then I just discovered uh, I came up with a new one uh, two days ago, and I tested it on uh, Mrs. Stomp and a few other people, and it it passed the test. May not be okay. the best, but right. I'm going to drop. Right. I mean, it. my expectations couldn't be lower. So, I mean, it's... <laughs> <laughs> all right, ready? Yes. So, what do you call a tick that is soaking in vinegar? I don't know. I give up. A tickle. <laughs> oh, okay. Like instead of a pickle, a tickle. <laughs> right. You got it. Oh, yeah, yeah. But okay. bump. Yeah, that's yeah, a good that's, one, huh? That's amazing. That's amazing. And that's, so the curtain, the curtain's coming down on the tick jokes. There's just none left. Yeah, you mind that? Well, have you checked ChatGPT? <laughs> you could check ChatGPT. Chat, chat, chat GPT, Yeah, that's a good idea. I will do that. But I think we're almost done with those for sure. Yeah. All right. Um, so, Stomp, you had brought up stick season like early on in our when we were recording shows. You had talked about like how like stick season's coming up, and I was kind of like, yeah. "All right, well, I never, I'd never heard that phrase until you had said it." And this was probably going back to like right around the first, you know, within six months of the of the podcast starting, because it would have been the first fall that um, you had brought that up. And I was like, I'd never heard of that before. And then lo and behold, like it's become much more well-known and we'll talk about why, because later on, cause there's like a famous like singer that sort of his whole album is based on stick season. He's from Vermont and he's blown up. But, okay. um, why don't you remind the listeners what exactly, like what the definition of stick season is? Yeah. So you're right. It does have a root in Vermont. And um, I didn't know that until I looked into it, but I had always used it uh, as a bushwhacker. Just, I love stick season. And uh, it's when all those leaves are off the trees, but the snow's yet to arrive. That's pretty much the definition. And uh, it's one of my favorite uh, turns of the season. You can just, as a bushwhacker, you can see all the uh, the mountainous geography that you may want to take a bearing off of or uh, navigate to. So it makes life a lot easier. And um, it's just awesome. So yeah, stick season. The leaves are gone and um, no no snow yet, but it's coming. The uh, 4Ks pretty much have a little bit of a snow cap on them at the moment. Presidentials have a decent amount of snow on them. I've been seeing pictures. <clears throat> it's like, you Is know, it? not a ton, but like probably a couple of inches. So it's starting to stick. Which is good. It's it's actually better to be like that than it is to have just iced over because at least it gives you something to grip onto a little bit. Sure. Yeah, it's probably not iced up yet. Yeah. Yeah, not totally. But should we just go into like Noah uh, Kahan or Kahan or whatever his name is? Yeah. Um, so, Might as well. so keeping with stick season, the the reason why the stick season's becoming much more much more known. Like my kids know it now. It's yeah. because there was an artist by the name of Noah Kahan. Is that how you spell it? Say his last name. Correct. And I just discovered this. Yeah, I mean this guy's big. He's my kids are all into him. He's kind of a folk singer or songwriter type. And um, he's yeah. got a couple of songs, one of which is called, the album's called Stick Season. He's from Vermont. 
And uh, yeah, he's blown up. He's playing Fenway Park and he's doing like a, a whole <laughs> tour, stadium tour, like which is, you know, top tier for, for artists. Right. And it's a simple folky tune. Um, yeah, I just discovered him. Had you, had you known him out, about this person? I had known about him because there's another song that he sings, which is like, pack up your bags, put an end to your... I forget how it goes, but it's it's a, it's a catchy sure. tune. So I had like discovered this guy, I don't know how, and I was looking him up. And I was like, oh, he's from Vermont. So I said to my daughters, I was like, oh, listen to this song. I discovered this artist. I always yeah. say this to them. I'm like, I pretend like I discovered it. And um, I was like, this guy's probably going to get big. And mm-hmm. I had kind of known that he was already big. So my kids mm-hmm. are laughing at me. They're like, we've known about him for like a year and a half. And you know, we're already huh. into him. So they knew about him already. But he's definitely, it's a great album. And I'll, I'll link the um, the Spotify songs in in the show notes so people can check them out because it's really good well that's that's the first thing that came up on my search for the proper definition of stick season he came up first so i looked into that and i listened to it and it was like really nice yeah it's cool yeah and the song stick season so that's a it's a great song olivia rodrigo who is like a pop princess um she does a cover of it which is actually as good or better than the original so i'll include that in the show notes too i actually watched that video when you posted it it's it's really nice it's fantastic so she does great a great job yeah good stuff so stick season there it is and back to the safety with stick season i think the only issue here with stick season the negative is there are no uh visible uh stones on the ground anymore everything's covered by leaves so you have to really watch the roots watch the wet wet uh rocks and uh plan your footing because it can be treacherous at this time of the year before it freezes up yes yeah well enjoy your bushwhacking stomp oh yeah (laughs) do you have any big plans to do are you going to do anything big you going out to the captain or anything like that in the next month or two um, not at the moment. I get, I've just been burdened with my uh, work schedule and it's been so random. I literally don't know until the day before for a Saturday. So it's been tricky. This yeah. Saturday I, I am hitting the watcher though with my cousin and uh, maybe Nobby. He's, he's a maybe, but we'll see. All right. Well, um, I'm, I'm going to get out on Sunday, I think. So yeah. I got my, my parents are in town. So we're going to be, we got a family reunion on Saturday, but I may head out to uh, Western Mass. I might hit uh, Mount Greylock on Sunday. Ah, uh, wicked jealous. That's oh. so cool. So we'll see. I'm going to see right. if uh, my friend Jay wants to join me. Maybe I'll hit Nobby up. Yeah, maybe you can hit that hopper and just get it over with for me. Remember the hopper? That was the old growth forest somewhere buried oh, yeah. in the... Uh, yeah, you got to check that out if you can do it. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. All right. Okay, so Stomp, you put an update on here. So 32 feet up, this was that family that went hiking on the Appalachian yep. Trail. They posted a, uh, what, a recap or something? Yes, yes. The mom uh, posted on the 31st about two days ago, and I, I can't read it all here. It's a really lengthy Facebook post, but it's it's sort of a nice summary as to what they experienced, uh, their takeaways, <clears throat> how the kids are doing right now, how they're readjusting to normal mundania, <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, she does make interesting comments about the feedback and the flack that they would get from the quote-unquote AT gods, you know, the the people that just self-proclaim themselves as the gods of whatever hike and whatever else. So, 
and uh, also some comments about consumerism and being away from our Western life of consumerism for so long and coming back to that. So this is it's a really good uh, good read, worth checking out. Yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, I had um, there were some friends that had posted this in another group I'm in, and I was like, I'm not reading that whole thing because it's like <laughs> it's long. So I, mm-hmm. I had a minute, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna just cut and paste. That. So I went onto the page, I cut and paste the whole thing, and I asked ChatGPT to summarize it in three sentences. So uh, here's what it is. I got it. For okay. you. The author reflects on their transformative journey along the Appalachian Trail, expressing a desire for solitude and a return to a simpler, more authentic life. They describe the emotional challenges of reintegrating into society and feeling like a stranger in their own land. The text conveys a deep appreciation for the natural world and the lessons learned during their eight-month adventure, with a focus on the simplicity of life in the wilderness and a critique of consumerism. The author's children are adapting well to their return and the family's considering new adventures and opportunities arising from their trail experience. So, um, that's... So ChatGPT was able to take, what was that? That's probably like 30 paragraphs worth of text and consolidate it down into that summary. A, con- a really well-spoken summary as opposed to my lame-ass summary. That was In great. two seconds it took to do that. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Crazy. Yeah. Huh. But I was close. So anyway, <laughs> you were close. You were close. So anyway. But, uh, Minus the perfect English. <laughs> we'll keep an eye. I'm going to, at some point, I'm going to reach out to her, see if we can get her on, see if she wants to talk to us. So I, think I got that'd questions. that'd be great. Yeah. We'll yeah. See. Yeah. I'm sure everybody's trying to get a hold of her, though. Yeah, I would bet. Um, oh. All right. So we've got a total solar eclipse. So yeah. Stomp, do you know the difference between a solar eclipse and a lunar eclipse? Uh, yeah, it's just, you asked me this once and ambushed me and I totally blanked on it when you asked, but uh, the solar is when um, the the moon is in front of your vision. So the moon obscures the sun, mm-hmm. that would be solar, and lunar would be, uh, let's see, the earth in front of the sun, casting shadow upon the moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've got it now. Well, good thing you have it, because I... Uh if you ask me a hundred times, I would get it wrong in 99 times. So um, we've got, the, this is happening on April 8th. There's a total solar eclipse, which means it's going to get blacked out. And yep. two and a half minutes. <laughs> two and a half minutes. There's a center line on this that goes across upstate New York so it looks like the Adirondacks is going to be prime time for this. And then it what? goes just below Montreal. And then I think Katahdin would be prime time as well for us. So what's prime it, time? Like what time of the day is this? Oh, let me see. Do we know? I don't know. It says... Um, Total soul. Uh, all right, so here it is. It's fifteen. Oh no, it's it's that the army thing that they do. So fifteen forty two. So that's so twelve is twelve o'clock, and then I got to add three, and then put so it's three forty five. <laughs> right on April eighth. Not bad. So, not bad. Not bad. But where we need to go, stomp is we have to be up at um, essentially like Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, uh, New Hampshire, or Dixville Notch. Oh, God. All right. 
So we got to get up in that area there. So we got to be a no. little farther north. Why? I don't quite just because that. there's like a um, there's like a <clears> line <throat> that goes across that it goes mm-hmm. from New York to Vermont to northern New Hampshire is where you get the real total blackout. Yeah. If you're in down by like Concord or Manchester, like you'll get fifty percent of the Oh, I get you. Um the huh. view. And yeah. So matter of fact, you know what might be good is like Percy Peaks or um McGalloway if you want to go up there or Table Rock. Something Shh, like that. Don't tell anybody. Good, well, cat's out of the bag now. <laughs> All right, I'm looking at my phone here. So April eighth, that's a Monday. Okay. I might have to I might have to call in and get the shits yeah. or something. I'm definitely taking that day off. Now, here's an interesting thought. You're going to have a huge influx of people. I think um, other states have prepared for this and lodgings getting tight and this and that. Um, but it's, would you say this is the worst time of the year for a million bazillion people to go hit the trails? It's oh, yeah. late, Definitely. late winter, early Definitely. spring. Yeah, monorail of death. Like, ugh. yeah, yeah, that's true. Actually, I didn't even think about that. So, even if you wanted to get out to Percy Peaks, like, it's probably like um, the road's not going to be open. That's a that's a possibility. Good yeah. possibility. Yeah. So, where would people be funneled? Probably into. Um, oh boy, the tram wouldn't be open. Um, yeah, it's I a mean, tough I- one, but I'm expecting some people on trail getting hurt. Yeah, I mean, maybe Mount Washington, I guess, would be kind of yeah. cool to go to. It's a little farther south. It's a, it's a little bit south of the um, the sort of 100% cone, but... Yeah. Uh, or the total cone, but um, it's not it's not 50%. It's a, it's probably like 75%, so we'll have to see. And Montreal is right, right in the middle of it, too, so... It goes from Montreal down to Montpelier. Is sort of like the the band of total eclipse. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Well, we'll be on it. Yep. I'm going to download Total Eclipse of the Heart by Bonnie Tyler. <laughs> we can play it, but we'll figure that one out. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, and then Stomp, you you keep saying that Slasher is approaching our fourth year of recording. So we started in, I think, April. Uh, well, we started in like February or March, but we threw those episodes away. Um, so yeah, 2021, we started in like February, March, right? And we released in April. I, I'm not sure of the dates, but I'm looking at our 21 folder and it says episode one. All the way up to 40.5. We, we did like an A and B, like a greatest hits. Yeah. 22, we did episodes 41 to 86. So we're like averaging 40 a year. Um, 23, we did episode 87 up to 127. Never, yep. never trust a fart. Voila. Yeah, so three years. So we're approaching f- our fourth year. Pretty interesting, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's that's a lot of content. Consistency. That's it. Every week we're going to be here. Matter of fact, somebody <laughs> um, I had put out a reel on our um, a well sticky hike, which I'll post on our uh, show notes, and I used "End of the Line" by the Traveling Woolberries, and somebody yeah. had commented, and they were like, they they sort of did a question mark about the song 
choice. And mm-hmm. I think what they were what they were angling towards is like, were we trying to tell them something? Like, we're we going to be ending the podcast, and oh, no, that's what they were asking. And I was like, no, we're not gonna, <clears throat> we're not ending the podcast. Like, I just am on a traveling yeah. Wilburys kick right now. Paul McCartney's dead. I saw the image on the record cover. It's a hint. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so four years. That's really funny. Yeah. So speaking of Paul McCartney, you you said that um, there's a new Beatles song? Yeah, it's called Now and Then. I mean, they've been talking about this for quite a while, but thank you to Peter Jackson who made that documentary um, recently about what the making of Abbey Road whatever it may have been. Um, he came up with technology that could parse John Lennon's voice from the pianos and they pieced together this new track and it literally dropped today. I took a listen to it and John Lennon is the lead singer on it. It sounds great. Um, I don't know the details as to the parts of, say, the drums and the guitar for Harrison, but you got a new, brand new Beatles song out there. So it's pretty neat. I'll check it out. Yeah, wicked cool. Uh, let's see. We want to hit these stickers and things? Yes. Yeah, we have stickers at Dusky Fanatics, which is off Exit 28 in Campton, and also down at Spinner's Pizza Pala. Say hi to Dolls and Pops. Uh, Daskam Road, off Daskam Road in Andover. Uh, you can certainly advertise with Slasher Podcast. Just hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, or drop us an email at slasherpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we just want to give a shout out to Reckless Brewery for hosting this fantastic event coming up um, at Reckless Brewing. Uh, just a few miles from the Five Corners, they make the best craft beer, and they're just like minutes from the notch, many 4,000 footers. So we will see you next week, Reckless, and uh, thanks again for hosting us. All right, stop. This is the part of the show where we talk about what beer we are drinking. If you notice at the beginning of the show, so it's no longer Sober October, so we can drink. If you notice at the beginning of the show, I did not crack a beer. And the reason I did not do that is because I had to use a bottle opener because I'm drinking out of a (laughs) bottle tonight. Wow. And look at this thing. uh, The aluminum. That is huge. What is that thing? This is is a one- pint and then nine fluid ounce seven percent alcohol this is from the main beer company and i am drinking a lunch wow that's a beauty ipa which is what i order when i go out to eat at restaurants i'll say i'll have a lunch or i'll have a dinner (laughs) that's so funny you know that's the type of bottle that you should have on your front lawn. You should put a couch on your front lawn and drink that thing with pride. Yes. <laughs> it's really bigger than my head. your neighbors out. <laughs> in, a, in a brown bag. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, I should probably get the shame for this because last night we were going to record and I had this awesome Baxter Coastal Storm. Baxter mm-hmm. Coastal Storm. I don't know if oh, you're nice. familiar with that, but... Uh, after we had the cancel, I decided to <laughs> crack it open and have it last night. So it's an 8% Shame. double IPA uh, from the Baxter Brewing uh, Company, I believe it's called. Shame. It was actually really good. And tonight I'm having a liquid death, which is just that neat uh, company there that makes uh, these water drinks. This one is uh, an armless palmer, and it's a flavored uh, like iced tea agave and vitamins so I'm, I'm on the health kick tonight so no alcohol no no not at the moment because i 
I couldn't uh, restrain myself last night. Yeah, we we're, we're busting out of a sober October. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Slasher's hiking topic of the week. All right, Stomp. So um, I guess this is our, uh, we'll do notable hikes afterwards, but like, I guess this is our segment of the week. So we don't have much for folks, but I think we can yeah. do a deep dive on this because we, we, me and Stomp did a recent hike. So I think the last time me and Stomp hiked was together was like when we did that um, traverse of Algonquin. So right. um, we decided to get together. I was taking my friend Jay who is not a prolific hiker. I've taken him out a couple of times and I wanted to pick a a hike where we would be down low so that we would get good views of foliage. And I wanted to take him on something that wasn't going to like be a death march for him. He's in pretty good shape. He runs with me and everything, but I wanted to make sure that like we, we weren't rushed. I did have to get back in order to go to a dinner party. So I wanted to pick something that wasn't super long and we ended up deciding on Welsh Dickey. So yeah, because I would, normally I would never invite Stomp to come for a hike with me, but because we were like so close to him, I almost <laughs> like didn't have a choice but but to invite him. So I, I invited him and unfortunately he was like, yeah, I'm going to come. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't have had a good excuse for that one. <laughs> exactly. You would have killed me if I didn't you. No, I'm kidding. I was happy to have you, but I was a little bit, I'll be honest with you, I was a little bit like, you know, like one part of my life with my friend Jay and like that whole Amesbury dad bods. Yeah. That's yeah. what we call our crew, like the soccer dads. And then <laughs> I've got my Stomp podcast crew. Now, Jay always, he knows about the podcast and he talks about Stomp, but it was like Jay and Stomp are going to meet each other. And it was kind of oh, yeah. like, I was like, what's going to happen here? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And the funniest first moment is when I... Oh, <laughs> yeah. I can let that one slip. That always yeah. freaks people out. Like, what? What? Yeah. What? <laughs> what? You have a real name? What's going on? There? So, um, oh, is that, are you going to edit that? You should edit that out. You should just do a bleep. I can put a bleep there. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Should I'll put do a that. bleep there. All right. <laughs> Keep it a mystery. Don't don't give that away. I think we've slipped once or twice on your real name, but anyway. Um, yeah. But so anyway, so we pick Stomp up and. <laughs> Like within like five minutes, like I like Stomp and Jay were best friends. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty uh, pretty comfortable. Yeah, you have no idea yeah. where people are coming from, like you know, just in their interests and politics and lifestyle and everything. But uh, yeah, it was pretty pretty smooth sailing. Yeah, yeah. And any, you guys anybody are... that agrees to like go bushwhack for a mile or two right off the bat is cool in my books. True, true. Yeah. So Stomp gets us. So we're in the parking lot. Luckily, like we were, I was a little bit worried. I was like, what's the parking lot situation going to be? But we got there at like before eight o'clock. So I think the key to well sticky on a crowded foliage weekend is eight o'clock. You could get in the parking lot. I suspect that probably by like eight thirty, nine o'clock is probably when they started lining up on the road would be my guess. Blowing up. No doubt yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. We were close when we got there. Yep. Yeah. We had no problem. But, um, so then we got on the trail, we ended up doing it like most people do, which is, um, counterclockwise, but Stomp asked us to just hop off the trail. So within like, it's like within like the first couple of hundred feet, we, we yeah. took a right, 
hopped over the uh, the little drainage there, and then you had us bushwhacking uh, off trail for about what about a mile or so. Yeah, I think it. I think it's like one point, one point two, one point five um, to get to that overlook if you take the trail. But this shaves off maybe point three, but it actually leads you towards uh, a series of ledges that are just beautiful. And um, it more or less follows the boundary, the White Mountain National Forest boundary. Uh, and it's nice. You don't get many people that way, if any. And you get to see some more views than you would going the trail. Yeah, there was like two hikers behind us. And I think they were wondering, like, what the hell are these guys doing? <laughs> like, Where are they going? Cre- creepers. Where are yeah. they going? Yeah, where are they going? But I liked yeah. it, actually. I liked doing that little bushwhack because you were you could still sort of see the the bootleg trail that you were on but also right. like it was just nice to be immersed into the foliage because it was really like bright yellow you know there's not a lot of like does the the foliage is a little bit muted this year but i thought that like it was nice hiking up towards the sun so you could see the sunlight popping in through the the yellow trees and leaves and stuff so i thought that was cool yeah and I, you know we had um you know mrs stomp and i had gone up the night before for the um Hunter's Moon, which, by the way, that's a correction for 127. It wasn't uh, Harvest Moon, it was Hunter's Moon. And yeah. uh, the, the main trail up to Welch was really muddy, so that was part of the factoring, too. Like, let's just avoid the crowds in the mud. Yeah, yeah, so, so that was good. good. So then that, that takes you to the lower, it takes you below the ledges. So you on the main trail, you hit the ledges, and you got a little bit of a, a, a view where Stomp yeah. took us, we ended up being at the bottom of the ledges, and then we climbed up the open ledges for, what, maybe like a quarter mile or so to get yeah, back that. to the main trail? Yep, back to that classic overlook, that overlooks Sandwich Dome and Jennings, um, and then proceeds up the last push up the summit cone. So yeah, it's probably about a quarter mile or so of extra ledges. I mean, if you were to go the, the regular trail to the overlook and then bear south to the right as opposed to going up towards Welch you could descend down a ways and go exploring it's just so much fun in there yeah yeah and there's like another like trail that takes you uh, in another direction there so there's a lot going on back there of like bushwhacking and off trail stuff lots of history in there lots of old abandoned trails and ski trails I think that one that connects from that bushwhack is a ski trail yeah look like it because it's wider yeah right right so lots of neat stuff there. Yeah, yeah. So that first outlook, um, you know, you're sort of immersed into the foliage so you can get some good photos there. And then we just headed up, what is it, like two or three different um, open ledges that you traverse. You know, you hop into the trees, come out to open ledges, hop into the trees again, and eventually get up to that that summit. So there's a couple of yeah. photo spots on those ledges, right? Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Absolutely stunning. Look, Mostly looking east and south, so like a southeast view. Uh, then the higher you get up, it opens up to the west, where you can start to see Cone, and then slowly you can see uh, Cardigan and Musalak. But the magic's when you hit Dickey, but we'll get to that. Whew. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, I think we we stopped at like a couple of different photo spots on on Welsh to, uh, to hang out, and I think the pacing was good. We, it was, a, it's a good hike. I think I left my house at six in the morning. We got up to Stomps at seven forty-five or so, and then um, I wanted to get I wanted to get back on the road by 
say, 12 o'clock or so. So we had a good four and a half hours, and there was no rush because I think the whole loop is only about six or seven, six miles maybe, right? Uh, four. I think it's four, it? 4.2. Oh. Yeah, so we added uh, more onto it, though. I think um, you know, adding the northern ledges, but yeah, it's four, it's fourish. Yep, yeah. So Easy we peas. were, you know, so we were up on Welch. I think we spent like ten, fifteen minutes up on the summit there, just hanging out and um, mm-hmm. going between t-shirt weather and sweatshirt weather with the wind uh, was pretty good. And then yeah. we made our way across the coal to head over to Dickey. Um, and then from Plenty there, stuff, you point. took us, you took us like a little bit off trail there, right? Yeah. So at the Dickey summit, we went North, uh, maybe a hundred yards to the Northern ledges, they call them. And that's more or less the start of the Grand Traverse that heads over towards Tecumseh. But at that point, it's a 360 panorama. That's just pretty stunning. And that's when we could see that open view of, the uh, Franconia Notch, uh, Lincoln Lafayette. What else? I mean, pretty much everything. You can see Cannon uh, Cliffs. Yeah, Cannon for sure. Um, uh, Dilly Cliffs over in Lost River. You could not see Mount Washington that day because there was some high upper level uh, cumulonimbus clouds covering uh, Mount Washington. But generally, you can see Mount Washington too. So. Yeah, I think the the thing that for the listeners just to be aware of is like so when you if you're doing the counter the traditional loop where you're going up Welsh and then hitting Dickey, uh, what I notice is like a ton of people just sort of stayed on trail, but you can look over to your right and you'll see like these open ledges that are just they're calling to you when you look oh, out yeah. there, but Absolutely. nobody went out there, right? So right. and I would say like these ledges are probably like the size of. Probably two football fields. They're they're no, enormous, <laughs> right? And they're fairly level too. So the the ledges that you would ascend up Welch, flatten them out and just put them there. That's the same size. They're huge. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. And there's just these massive granite boulders the size of refrigerators laying all over the place. Uh, but the view itself is just just the best part of that. It's unbelievable, and uh, yeah. it's a shame that people just miss it because I think that they just assume like, okay, well, like I. I'm staying on trail and I get it that, you know, you get nervous, you don't want to go off trail or whatever, but like it, it's yeah. worth it to do a little bit of exploring. Yeah. It's not marked, but if you look down to the ground, you'll see a pretty clear footpath through the patches of mud and um, just wet dirt here and there and just broken vegetation. You'll find your way out there pretty easy. It's not bad. You definitely won't get lost. Yeah. And then from there, like it was such a, like, you know what I loved about it? It was, it's just no rush whatsoever. Like there was no <laughs> press for time. You yeah. know, we knew that we were going to get down there and, uh, you know, everybody was having a good time and talking and, you know, yeah. we had a lot in common, which was good. So then we, you know, we explored those cliffs and then Stomp had pointed out to me, I had always kind of wondered about the Grand Traverse and he was sort of pointing out to me sort of visually like how it goes over. It goes down into a deep coal from Dickey and then you would make your way back up a couple of those sub peaks, and then eventually make your way over to Tecumseh. So I'm, I need we need to do that one. I, I got that on my list soon. Okay, yeah, sure. We also saw somebody in orange, you know, blaze orange on Fisher Mountain. So if any of you uh, were over there bushwhacking over there, drop a message and let us know if that was you because that was pretty cool seeing somebody way over there. 
um, that's another of those sub peaks that come off of uh, Tecumseh and uh, the ravines of yeah, more or less Hogback and what Hazelton Brook when I attempted to do that thing. So pretty neat. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Then so summer Dicky. That yeah, was so pretty stop. uneventful. Yeah, exactly. It was just chilling out. Like there was a bunch of people. Like the cl- the crowds kind of caught up to us. I think while we were right. meandering, so yeah. it was fine. The ledges were cool. There was a bunch of people just chilling out. Stomp was getting nervous because one guy was like getting way too low on the on the the ledges <laughs> of of uh, Dicky, and he was freaking right. out. Yeah, it wasn't the day to do that adventurous stuff. I mean, come on. The, a lot of the um, a lot of the granite slabs are still wet. And uh, a little risky. I get nervous when people start doing that stupid stuff. I mean, that's a hell of a drop off those ledges. Yeah, and Stomp was sort of pointing out, like it was interesting, he was kind of pointing out that some of the hot spots that he's he's aware of around like rescues. And I can understand, I think going down Dickey, I actually slipped in one section, um, kind of saved myself, which Jay was, my friend Jay was completely amused about that. He was waiting for like something bad to happen to me. But I can see where there's a couple of hot spots where people slip and fall because it's just it's perpetually wet there. There's no sun and it's just steep and slick. Yeah. Well, I think that's the segue because I, I think we were talking about. I was talking to Jay about my ghosts. Like I'll walk past a place where people have been injured and been picked up and carried, and then from ghosts, I think it trickled into the whole Walking Dead talk about oh yeah so stomp and jay yeah. like did the, the, the this is like this whole thing about like bond they were bonding over ghosts and then they were talking about walking dead and then they were <laughs> right. talking about um you were talking about that show ride with norman reedus right right which yeah which i had just started watching and uh then it trickled into keanu reeves because keanu reeves was a a guest on norman reedus's ride and then it just kept on going from there. So, like, we had this pop culture connection that was just like exploding. <laughs> it was like a love connection. I was like, I was like pissed because I, I got jealous because I was like, first of all, Jay's my friend, and then I was like, first of all, Stomp's my friend, and I was like, why are you guys ignoring me? And I was like, I have nothing in common with either one of these two guys now. So well, I think it was because you were too busy documenting. Every five minutes, you were taking pictures and videos. I was. Little I was did obsessed. I know you were making a reel. I was. Yeah, I did make a good <laughs> reel. So, but but anyway, so I'm pretty sure that you guys, listeners, may end up one of these days like dialing into the slasher audience, and it may say instead of "I'm Mike and I'm Stomp," it will say "I'm Jay and I'm Stomp." So I just want the audience to know that if I have an accident around a steep uh. ledge. I do not go near the edges of ledges, so get the police involved. <laughs> right. Call our friend Justin. He'll know what to do. So You're not suicidal. Yes. <laughs> so anyway. But That's it was, great. Yeah, but it was fun. I, and I was glad that you guys hit it off because I, I was, uh, you know, it's, e- it's easier when people just sort of are chill and, and get along and I don't have to worry about babysitting either one of you. So it's good. Yeah. Oh, dude, you didn't uh, hit on the uh, Vauclus test. Did you talk talk about oh, it? You got to mention that's, that. That was that's true. That's true. So Jay, <clears throat> that was pretty neat. Jay's extra sweaty anyway. He's like you, Stomp, but he he was sweating <laughs> like crazy, and I had the Valcluse on, and I wasn't sweating whatsoever. So I was like making Stomp take pictures of like the back sweat on Jay, and then my <laughs> back was like dry as a bone. So it was a big yeah. difference. Yeah. Yes. And uh, 
you were also adamant about the vertical versus the horizontal. I'm a horizontal picture guy. Oh, yeah. So to, to do it vertical for me was like, oh, heresy. But uh, I did it. And landscape. Yeah, <laughs> portrait and landscape. That's you do correct. landscape, I do portrait. But I'm surprised because you do more of <laughs> the story stuff. You need to do portrait for mm. Instagram. Yeah, I don't know why I do that, but I yeah. just, it looks better on my phone. It's just bigger and I don't know. I like the wider aperture, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But that's funny. That's good. So good well, time. Well, How did Jay feel? I mean, amazing hike. And, um, you know, as I've gotten more and more sort of into hiking and, you know, less excited about doing like the death marches, like these type of hikes are like amazing because the foliage was great. The, the the company was great and that we would just not press for time whatsoever. So it's it's a great hike. I mean, I, it's right. for the 52 with the views, well, sticky has got to be one of the top five, I would say. Yeah, you have plenty of time to get to your posh dinners in the evenings. Yes. Doesn't eat up your whole day. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's like a perfect hike to introduce people to hiking too. If you have somebody that's in like reasonably good shape and you want to like take them to a place where you feel like, oh, they're going to really like be impressed with this and fall in love with hiking, like Welsh Dickey has mm. everything that you need. Right, right. Yeah, those short sections of cliff walking exposed, they're great. It's a little bit of type A fun there. Yeah. 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 Big fan, and then when we got down in the parking lot, there was a um, there was the um, Trailhead Stewarts were there, and I yeah, told them nice. that I, I had a good joke that I, I cracked myself up because I was like, I thought you guys were giving out free snow cones. I didn't realize this was like an informational booth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they love that. Yeah, he liked that. He liked that. Yeah, so. that same guy was funny. Did you hear what was coming out of his radio? He no. had a radio in his little pocket. I heard so as that. we're talking to the two of them, my ears just like hone in on it. He's listening to like 70s disco for the, for the 10 minutes that we're talking to them. It was really yeah. funny. Like, yeah, that's I a like really it. interesting selection. Yeah, well, I liked it. And then I took a little video. The, the parking lot was, I would say, not out all the way out to the intersection stop, but it was a good half a mile worth of cars parked on the side of the road there. At least. Yeah. No doubt about it. Do the neighbors get pissed about that? Like, do they ever complain about they don't want the, the cars being that far out? Well, this year was the first year I I noticed the uh, temporary police ban for parking. Um, so when you get down to the junction that you mentioned, I think that's like maybe a mile. If you take a right onto Upper Mad River Road... It's all posted now for at least uh, a mile, maybe three quarters of a mile. So I think they were preparing because in the past it was likely a problem with the overflow. Oh, so to go all the way out to the, the main road and they would take a right and start parking out there? Yeah. Yeah. Holy moly. I mean, that's at least, it's got to be at least almost a mile in length, at least maybe 0.7 from the junction of Mad River Road. I no doubt. the name of the road. It's either Judges or Oris. I can't remember. But yeah, that's a long distance. But people are willing to do it. Well, Stomp, I understand why you uh, you love that area so much now. I mm. mean, it's, it is something else. It is beautiful. Yeah. My backyard. 
Yes, it is. It is. So, um, but we'll get that grand traverse in eventually. But stop. Let's move on to. Oh, actually, you had something. So you did the full moon hike up to Welsh uh, with yeah. Mrs. Stomp, and then yeah, you I did. Uh, on it. Yeah, and then you did mountain biking. Oh yeah, that was my Halloween fun. So I um I had nothing to do. I was a little bored. So I um got the bike into the back of the truck and I zipped down to Livermore which is in Waterville, and that's the, the gateway to, um, you know, the Tri-Pyramids and uh, Greeley Ponds. So I just went zipping around on my mountain bike for an hour, an hour and a half. It was a lot of fun. Beautiful night, a little cold. Had my pack on just in case I wanted to go exploring, but I just stuck on the bike and roamed around a bit. So that's always an option if you're getting a little bored of hiking and you want to do something different. Grab your bike and hit hit any of these places but livermore is fantastic because it's so lengthy uh, the, I know. the trail network's I'm, huge i'm thinking about selling my road bike and getting a mountain bike we'll see oh yeah a yeah. little more uh opens the doorway to different terrain sure does but uh yeah tr- stop your truck look great jay was like oh i like his truck ah uh, yeah it's doing okay it's hanging in there it's hanging tough yes yeah. thank god all right, stop. So let's uh, let's get into notable uh, hikes of the week here. We got a bunch we got to catch up on, and we'll do deep dives on some of these locations for the listeners. Yeah, sure. So uh, if you want to be considered for the notable listener hike of the week, tag the podcast on your adventure to be considered. And um, we do try to limit it to a you know ten or a dozen or so because they can get uh, we can get buried in them some weeks. But uh, this week we start off with Jakester D two who did Icy Gulch in Randolph, New Hampshire. Um, I have not done that. It's It does sound like an amazing place. Um, and I think Jakester called it... He, I think he might have misspelled it when I read it. I think it's Icy Gulch. I it's could be the wrong. Ice Gulch. Ice Gulch. Is it the Ice, is it yeah. ice Gulch? Okay, mm-hmm. all right. I just yep. wanted to be clear on that. Um, so, Ice Gulch. And isn't that a part of the... It's a terrifying 25. That's right. Terrifying 25. Yeah. And it's one of the more unique hikes in the White Mountains, honestly. It's a, um, it's up off of like, um, route two, uh, on almost the other side of where Appalachia is. Like there's a, there's a road, uh, that you can turn up and then it's up into this neighborhood section and there's a, you kind of walk through this like farm area to get to the trailhead and then you go into the Randolph forest, and then from there, um, yeah, you go into this like um, it's like it's it's basically like Mahusic Notch. It's it's like an ice. It's like a, a boulder field, and it drops mm-hmm. down. And it does. I don't think it really matters how the temperature is outside. Like eventually, you get down into this. Um, there's like this little waterfall section that's very mossy. It's always cold. Like I think I went on like a yeah, 75, right. 80 degree day and it was probably like 50 degrees down into the section that I went into. And then yeah. when you tra- traverse across <laughs> it, it's a couple of miles, maybe a mile and a half, two miles. It's just boulder crawling going so like through subway. this section. Like, yeah, it's it's, it's like Mahusic Notch. It's it's just, it's so okay. unique. It's just, an, it's a weird valley that you're in and it's, it just feels ancient and I was solo so it was creepy when I was there but I enjoyed it, so. Mm. Well, nice job. Uh, okay, so I, I know this next batch here, this is Dave Shits in the Woods. He did yeah. Mount Muse and this is uh, AKA Whitcomb and this was apparently named after Conservation Officer Arthur Muse. Um, 
Dave also did West and Middle Long. I want to say this is up in Nash Stream Forest. Um, yeah. And I would have to double check my 500 highest for the New Hampshire uh, list, but I believe they're on there as well. So nice job there with some decent bushwhacking guys. Hats off. Um, any comments on those? No, I'm just looking at a map right now. I don't know much about that area. Um, so it's in Nash Stream, but I'm looking, I'm trying to figure out where it is in relation to, say, um, Percy Peak in that area. And it's, it's basically you go to the very end of, um, was that Nash Stream Road? And then, um, the Northeast? Yeah, it's basically, you know, you've got logging roads that will yep. continue on and then Muse Mountain, you know, it looks like there's a there's a, a little bit of a sort of a fire road or something like that and then it's a bushwhack. But it looks like yep. from the approach from Nash Stream Road, like it yep. doesn't look like you could realistically navigate your way directly to Muse Mountain. I would assume you would have to go to the west to actually realistically get you get over there. So well, may yeah, even have 20, to come in from like Kelsey Notch and, and like from the northern part. Yeah, it's like one. It, well, this says it's one mile from Nash Stream Road. So it's 2,850 feet, Whitcomb Mountain. That's the West Peak, by the way. But oh, oh I see what you're saying. Yeah, well, there's South Peak and then there's Middle. Yeah. Holy yeah. moly. Yeah, there's to a the lot south, of that. It's all cliffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, all right, so you can get West Peak from Nash Stream for sure, mm-hmm. but you're right, Whitcomb, Middle, and uh, South are way the hell in there. Wow. Yeah, so that's... Um, nice work. That's an adventure. Yeah, no kidding. And then there's, uh, on the western side of Nash Stream Road, there's Stratford Mountain, which is a 500 highest peak as well, and that's 2385, about a mile in bushwhack. So they're out there killing it. That's great. Oh, we got to get him in sometime for the show. <clears throat> He'd be in. Yeah, I think that'd be a lot of to. fun, actually. Yes, um, Dave, we're so going to reach out to you. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So let's let's move on. So from fine to fit, did the Hancock Loop? Very nice, very nice. Uh, a Folsom thirty three hit the Mount Kearsage Fire Tower. Beautiful pictures on that one. Jakester back again with Doublehead Trail by Squam. That was, uh, I don't know what the doublehead trail is. Is he referring to the beginning of the Crawford Ridge Pole? I think uh, so, yeah. Somewhere in that area? Yeah, I believe so. I think the lower part of that section in Squam is actually the doublehead uh, trail. Mm Mm-hmm. Makes sense. I think where we we started Stomp should be... um, Yeah. I've bushwhacked the, the doubleheads. Uh, I've done yep. those, so it has to be around there. Uh, all right, so let, uh, moving on. So C. Gothberg did one of my favorites, Mount Crosby. And I'm not sure if they tackled the entire loop that covers uh, Bald Peak um, and Crosby or just went straight up Crosby, but that's that peak in um, the Hebron Groton area that looks towards Mount Tenney. From the west, it's a really nice, nice hike. You'll never see anybody up there. It's beautiful. Um, and then moving on to Liz Faye, this is this is the hike of the week that like makes me super, super jealous. So Liz got out to Mount Kangamangas, which 
is a bushwhack. It's on several lists. And I was eyeballing it from Livermore. I was going to go from Livermore towards Greeley Ponds and then cross what they call the Knight's Bridge. And from there, there are some trails that you can take up for, like snowmobile trails and whatnot, that you can take up uh, a distance and then jump into a drainage that goes up to Mount Kangamangas. That, to me, seemed the easiest way to do it. Uh, The other side is steep as hell and uh, a little more rugged. So, Liz, congrats. That's awesome. I'm super jealous. Um, That's on my list. I've always found it... I've always found it very weird that there's not like a dedicated trail to Mount Kangamangas. Yeah, that's you would a good think point. that like that would be, you know, like a like a um, that whole area there. Like when you go over the Kank and that the, all those summits that are over the uh, the middle of the Kank, like none of them are. They're all bushwhacks. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's true. I I'm not sure why, but that's a great. Uh, Great question. Um, I want to say that there's some old, old abandoned routes that uh, may be floating out there, but in my research, I didn't really discover much um, beyond some of these old trails that connect to Livermore and some of the old uh, timber logging days. Because yeah, it uh, seems but- like you could park like in one of those like um, one of those rest areas and just leave your car there and then bushwhack out to one of those summits. It looks like you can like reach out and touch them. Yeah, for sure. No doubt about it. Yeah. And stop as you were talking. So just to clarify, so double head trail. So going back into the Squam range. So when me and you parked at Sandwich Notch Road, that's actually the trailhead for Crawford Ridgepole trailhead. Mm-hmm. But if you wanted to stay on Thompson Road, which is like kind of close to the main road where you come down for where Percy and, and um, Morgan and Percival are, there's a trailhead that's on Thompson Road that's called the Doublehead Trail. So it's sort of like you don't have to go up to um, Sandwich Notch Road. You can just go right. to um, Doublehead Trail and just get to Doublehead from due south instead of coming in from the east and then connect to that squam uh, traverse and go over Crawford Ridge Bowl. Okay. Makes sense. Yep. Good clarification. And uh, here's uh, the next one, Mount Israel. This is a teammate on our slasher running team for the race coming up. So Marley Downing, Hiked up Mount Israel. I've done that once. That's a beautiful hike with a beautiful view of, um, I recall it being Sandwich Dome and some of the the Waterville Valley uh, summits. Awesome. Yeah, Marley had joined us for Emily's hike too, so it'll be good to see her again. And she listens to the podcast. I know she listens because she went to Mount Pine and did a foliage hike, and now she's doing Israel, so she listens and knows to go to these lower peaks for foliage. (laughs) (laughs) She's smart. Yes. Super smart. Yep. And moving on, I can never say this correctly, and please correct, correct me if you know how to do this, but it's Lorelei or Laurely or Laurely. Thank you for the tag. Uh, and I, I'm sorry if I butchered that. But uh, this was 46 and 47 out of the New Hampshire high, uh, 4,000 footers. And it was a white face in Passaconaway. And uh, they made note that uh, it was not too spooky. <laughs> After our group consensus that it's the spookiest place in the whites for the Halloween show. 
It's haunted. Um, yeah, it's haunted and creepy. <laughs> Let's see. Stump, can I ask you a question? Like, oh, I'm just looking at the script here. Like, your spelling is absolutely horrendous. Like, it's, yeah. it's unbelievable how bad <clears throat> it is. Yeah, you know why? It's whenever these tags come in, I'm usually uh, driving or doing something <laughs> stupid, vacuuming or something stupid. And I know if I don't put it in my phone, in my notes immediately, I will not do it and I'll miss it and I'll forget it and people will get upset. So I just write it down as fast as possible. Okay. Doing the most crazy activities at the time. So yeah, my spelling's the worst. All right, you're forgiven. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, Mountain, Mountain Ginger and Camo. Camo completed the Ossipee range by summoning Sentinel and Flag. Camo is their pup, actually. Um, so congratulations, Camo. That's a lot of work for a little four-legged individual. And um, I think we may see uh, Mountain Ginger at the show as well. We're going to meet a lot of people that we haven't met before, so this is going to be a lot of fun. Next, we have, uh, let's see, this is a classic. Mr. Conley Hikes did the Chikora uh, via Liberty Trail. So Liberty Trail up to the summit of Chikora, and you pass the Liberty Cabin and all that good stuff. It's a super historic hike and um, pretty challenging at some points. I did it as a child. I haven't done it since. But uh, I remember f- fond, fond memories going up, up that trail. That was my first ascent up uh, Chikora. Let's see. J. Run, Acadia, without an R. It's Acadia. East Side Traverse. Now, this is pretty neat. So, it essentially looks like uh, they covered 14.5 miles of the Acadia Trails right there in Maine. That's the way to do it, huh? The pictures yeah. are stunning. Absolutely stunning. You get the ocean side. You get the foliage. Looks like a beautiful time out. I'm jealous. Uh, and let's see. Yeah, two more. We have C. Gothberg did Plymouth Mountain, another one of my absolute top fives. And I, I reached out and asked if they had done the whole traverse, which you can do from... Plymouth Mountain itself or from the Groton side um, and they had done the whole thing so that's really neat it's a beautiful beautiful traverse not too lengthy either and then last but not least JKN Boba Adventures this uh, couple took their newborn a black cap and it was baby's <laughs> baby Boba's first summit how cool is that? So I made a comment. I commented and it said something to the effect of start them young. <laughs> but uh, that's excellent. Nice work. So thanks for the tags. Yeah. And that is a, uh, oh, matter of fact, I'm going to, I'm going to comment on it right now. Um, that is a great <laughs> spot to, um, to take your kids. Uh, that's where I yeah. used to take my kids all the time. Cause you can drive right up to hurricane mountain road and then uh-huh. it's a short hike. It's a mile and a half or so when you're in the green hills. And right, right. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. And the the baby is super cute. So congratulations to them. They're, yeah, they're starting them off right. No doubt about it. So that's it. Thanks, everybody. Uh, we had a little constipation there with the uh, the notable hikes, but we got it out. We got it out. So, we got um, it out here. Yeah, so last segment here, we have um, just one little story, but let's talk about sweat. Do you have a sweat problem? Sweat can be extremely uncomfortable on the trails. I know Mike doesn't, because he's got a uh, ventilation. I gleam, I don't sweat. (laughs) Right. 
Uh, so sweat is a serious risk factor. As your clothes get wet, your core temperature can dramatically fluctuate. And this can result in hypothermia, heat exhaustion, and dehydration. And uh, we've got good news for you here at Slasher. There's a piece of gear that solves the sweat problem. Vaucluse's Ultralight Ventilation Backpack Frame. The frame's a backpack accessory that easily installs in your favorite pack, sizes 15 liters to 65 liters, and creates a ventilating airflow gap between you and your pack. It's also ultralight, weighing less than a pair of socks at just over 3 ounces. So whether you're hiking in hot or cold temps, the ultralight ventilation backpack frame is a real game changer when it comes to airflow and ventilation. So visit our friends, VaucluseGear.com. They've been a fantastic sponsor. And man, they, they're flying off the shelves. It's super cool. And uh, order a ultralight ventilation frame today. If you use the, the promo code SLASHER, S-L-A-S-R, you enjoy a $5 discount. And uh, let Bryce and the crew there know that uh, Mike and Stomp sent you. Excellent stomp. So this is the part of the show where we're going to talk about recent search and rescue news. So I got a couple mm. of stories here. You pulled one and I got a couple sent over. Matter of fact, Al sent over a couple that uh, I want to cover here. But cool. um, just to start with, we've got a hiker rescued 12 hours after his knee got stuck in the crack of a cliff. So this is a nightmare yes, for me. I would be like horrified for this. 12 hours. Yeah, yeah. This is like, I, I always get nervous about, like, uh, sometimes I'll, like, stick my hand in a fence and I can't get it out for a minute and I'll, like, wiggle it and I'll be like, oh, my God, I can't get my hand out. I'm going to die. So, anyway, this is like a nightmare. So, rescue workers came to free a man from generic crack. I guess that's the name of the place. He suffered minor injuries. Um, so, this is in Utah. Um so a Utah hiker had a harrowing experience when he slipped and got his knee wedged into a crack on a cliff in Indian Creek. He was stranded for 12 hours. Once the hiker became stuck oh, at approximately man. 8 p.m. local time on generic crack, his, I guess generic crack is the name of the mountain or the area that he was in. His climbing partners tried to free him with no avail. The San Juan County, um, Utah Search and Rescue said in a press release, a call was made to Search and Rescue to assist. When the team arrived in the parking lot, it was determined we would need classical air medical to fly team members to the top of the cliff so that they could rappel down to the stuck guy. So uh, they tried for several hours to rescue the man but needed more help. They said in the release, the agency then contacted Grand County Search and Rescue who came to assist and the hiker was free and on the ground safely with minor injuries per the release. So there's no um, details here. I guess they just said thank you to the Classic Air Medical and Grand County Search and Rescue. Without them, this rescue would not have been possible. They said, although Generic Crack's name is boring, the First Ascent Party never officially titled it. The climbing is far from it. According to Climbing Magazine, at 130 feet long, the splinter starts at hand size and widens to fist at the top. 
Unlike many creek cracks, this one has slots that fit big hexes perfectly. It's a 100-foot second pitch of 5.10 rating off width, but it's not done nearly as often as the classic first pitch. So I guess they wow. were a little bit advanced, but I guess he fell and got just, just got stuck, wedged in there. Yeah, that's something that um, I guess we never contemplated talking to Rusty Talbot a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, who knew? So all's Amazing. well with that one. And then uh, this next one, Al had sent this one in to us. So thanks again, Al. He's like an unofficial researcher for us. That's great. Thank you. Uh, this the, yeah, this ties into what we had done a story about this, about the Hong Kong startup that was um, using drone and AI technology. So this one is a body of a missing hiker was found using AI drone technology after conventional searches failed to track him down. Uh-huh. So the the body of a hiker that had been missing in the Scottish Highlands for six weeks was found after a mountain rescue team used AI drone technologies. So a major manhunt had been taking place after Charlie Kelly, 56, vanished after leaving his home in Tillicultry, Clackamanshire on September 6. Teams from the Coast Guard, Royal Air Force, and police scoured the mountainous region for weeks in search of the avid hillwalker who last contacted his family the day after he left around 8 p.m. So mm-hmm. after no sightings were recorded, the Lake District Search and Mountain Rescue Association offered to use their new drone technology. So volunteers deployed two drones during the morning of October 24th with one picking up signals later confirmed as a body. So... um there's no apparent suspicious circumstances and a report will be submitted to the procurator fiscal, which apparently is like their law enforcement. Unfortunately, this isn't an outcome that they had hoped for. They said that the, the Charlie was an, the guy's name was Charlie. He was an amazing partner, father, brother, uncle, friend, and colleague to us all. And um, I guess there was bad weather involved in this. I guess the rescue team was approached by the local search team about the use of this new technology and deployment plans were drawn using bespoke software that programs a flight path into the drone. The team searched opposite faces of the valley where the missing person's rucksack had been found. Apparently, the software autonomously covers an area with a drone taking multiple photographs each photograph is overlapped, so objects that cannot be seen from one angle can be spotted from another angle. Those images are then analyzed by the program, which searches each image for unusually colored clusters or pixels that don't mm. belong in the landscape. That's so, a huge leap forward for drone yeah, technology it, and searching. Huge. It's crazy. So these anomalies, they're then viewed by the team on the hill so they can determine if any require further investigation. Yeah. Um, and That's stop, amazing. it's so funny you say this. So speaking with the new, about the new technology, a spokesman f- for the search and rescue organization called it a huge milestone in search and rescue operations. Oh, hell yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah, because so I think a lot of these teams, yeah. they're just they're just looking at images, trying to do it without the aid of a computer. So if the computer can see these uh, shapes and patterns, holy moly, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So they said this new technology has brought searching forward leaps and bounds. And while this yeah. find was a huge milestone for development, 
it wouldn't have been possible without the incredible groundwork carried out by um, some of the agencies. So the area of the finding question had been searched by ground crews at least twice, all passing within 50 meters of the body. And it had also been overflown with helicopters and dogs um, mm-hmm. had also searched nearby. So the complexity of the ground meant that despite these efforts, the body remained hidden. So it's a yep. milestone case study in the future of drone use in mountain rescue. Awesome. Now that's that's what I call a use for drones. You know, there's always that debate about, well, how, how are they going to be used for search and rescue? Well, there you go. That's huge. There you go. I mean, and it's, you know, I just think back, like today when I did that, when I put that like 30 paragraph summary and I said like, just summarize this with three sentences and they came back yeah. with, the AI came back with like a perfect, concise summary. Like the power of this is just unbelievable. But for search and rescue, I mean, this is a crazy case. Yeah. Oh, you're just going to save man hours if you can just have a drone crank it out like that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, all right. So wow. one more stomp here. And we don't have any local ones. So the whites have been pretty mellow right now, which is the way it should be. We should hopefully... <laughs> yeah. For search and rescues in the whites, knock on wood, November, December, January, usually you only have a handful. We had one year where there was a bunch in January, but typically it's pretty slow. So, mm, Yep. All right. So Climber survives 20-story British Columbia park plunge by clinging to a snowbank. So a woman suffers a 70-meter fall in Golden Ears Mountain, rescued by Maple Ridge team. So this is a climber. 70 meter fall so one meter is three feet so figure around Mm -hmm. three feet so figure about you know 200 feet or so so that's 20 stories her and her partner both survived their ordeal after being lifted off the mountain by helicopters so i guess the couple was in their late 20s they reached the summit of the popular peak in golden ears providential so this is golden ears mountain um so this is in golden ears providential park near maple ridge the seasoned outdoor adventurers chose to spend the night on the mountain. They were making their way down just before noon when the woman fell. She was following some old flagging tape, which led them astray down a steep chute. Hmm. The woman suffered a fall some 20 stories, stumbling over rocks, becoming airborne and landing on snow. She was able to stop her descent before she fell further as there were rocks below her. She gripped the snow and remained motionless, realizing the consequences if she were to slide any further down the 45-degree slope. Hmm. So if she went any further, it would have been tragic. That's amazing. Sounds like uh, maybe a backcountry ski route or something that she stumbled on. Could be, yeah. It almost sounds like, you know, if you started sliding down like those cliffs on Welsh Dickey, it's sort of like you stop halfway and then mm-hmm. you can't move because you got to wait for someone to pick you off. So apparently she was able to get rescued. Well, close call for sure. Yep. Amazing. Well, there it is. All right, Stomp. So you're doing Good the show. Watcher this weekend. I may do yep. Mount Greylock and then, you know, mm-hmm. we got to get out. We got to make some plans to do some other stuff. Yeah, yeah, especially put some crampons on and find some ice. <laughs> yep, break out the winter gear, everyone. Get ready. It's The snow is coming, and, but we will be back next week with our friend Stosh from uh, Inside the Lines on the Catskills, so we'll have him back next week. Yeah, big celebration for uh, the Catskills podcast. All right. Yeah, yeah, and I got a little preview for the listeners, too. 
I may be dropping in a special segment. I'm going to be interviewing my wife's cousin and her her uncle. They are not experienced hikers, but they did a hike on Franconia Ridge a couple of years ago where they were like completely inexperienced, no clue what they were doing. And um, I'm going to interview them and sort of ask them what was going through their heads because they made it. They made it down, but they barely made it down without a rescue. Wow. So sounds good. They're ready for grilling. They weren't dress shoes, I think, on Franconia Ridge. Oh yeah, it's gonna shame be drop time. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, okay. I do a segment with them on Sunday night, and we'll we'll insert that into one of the episodes. Excellent. Sounds good. All right, Stomp. It's until next time. All right. Later. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to learn more about the topics covered in today's show, please check out the show notes and safety information at slasherpodcast.com. That's S-L-A-S-R podcast.com. You can also follow the show on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you'll join us next week for another great show. Until then, on behalf of Mike and Stomp, get out there and crush some mega peaks. Now covered in scratches, blisters, and bug bites, Chris Staff wanted to complete his most challenging day hike ever. Fish and game officers say the hiker from Florida activated an emergency beacon yesterday morning. He was hiking along the Appalachian Trail when the weather started to get worse. Officials say the snow was piled up to three feet in some spots, and there was a wind chill of minus one degree. And there's three words to describe this race. Do we all know where they are? Only one hill! Lieutenant James Neeland, New Hampshire Fish and Game. Lieutenant, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. What are some of the most common mistakes you see people make when they're heading out on the trails to hike here in New Hampshire? It seems to me the most common is being unprepared. And I think if they just simply visited uh, hikesafe.com and got a list of the 10 essential items and had those in their packs, they probably would have no need to ever call us at all.